Financial Report. The world's fastest growing economy. But is China a friend or foe? I think you should be afraid of them. And I think you will find in that fear you get something very healthy. Why China matters to Chicago. We put ourselves in this box where if we don't get it from them, we're in trouble. Laying the groundwork for future generations. I firmly believe we should get our, our young people much more prepared about the Asian culture. An emotional homecoming. Chicago's Road to China. Here is ABC 7's Linda Yu. This is Shanghai. No other city can capture the urgency and the excitement of China's economic reform than Shanghai, a port city on the Huangpu River just behind me. Shanghai has a population of more than 17 million people and is now a powerhouse of ambition. one of the world's most crowded urban areas. Malls popping up at every corner, a dynamic surge of wealth with a new hip urban lifestyle and pulsating nightlife. A symbol of China's phenomenal growth, there are now more cell phones in China than the total population of the U.S. In the U.S., there are nine cities with a population over one million. In China, there are more than a hundred urban centers with over a million people growing and building fast. Nowhere is the transformation more apparent than in Shanghai. And now, the rest of the world is paying attention. You change the life of the whole planet because it's one out of five people in the world. And their life is changing dramatically. You know, their incomes are up fourfold in 20 years. They've become a manufacturing superpower, one of the world's largest exporters, the largest trade partner for Japan, just about any country you can mention. And it's an economy which is doing anything and everything. 20 years ago, there were less than 200 high-rise buildings. Today, that number is closing in on 4,000. Shanghai is believed to be home to one-fifth of the world's cranes. China is aggressively enlisting the help of foreign architects to build its tallest skyscrapers. Today, Shanghai is a fast-changing showcase of modern architecture with a sci-fi skyline. The skyline is the backdrop for one of the most dramatic scenes in Mission Impossible 3. China's tallest building, at least for now, is called Jin Mao. It was designed by the Chicago office of Skidmore, Owings & Merrill, one of nearly 100 SOM projects that are changing the face of China. It's 88 floors and then how the proportions are dealt with in terms of uh, the height and the, the massing are very Chinese and, and inspired by Chinese form. Tom Kerwin is a partner at Skidmore's Chicago office, the architectural firm responsible for designing the Sears Tower and John Hancock Center, creating Chicago's spectacular skyline. Now, 7,000 miles away, Skidmore designers and architects are helping transform China, especially Shanghai's skyline. Shanghai's master plan is on public display at an exhibition hall. It includes projects by the Chicago firm that will house Chinese firms and companies from around the world that have rushed to make their mark on the city. A gratifying experience for an architect and engineer working in China is that they're very interested, the Chinese are very interested and the clients are very interested in pushing the envelope with regards to sustainability. The buildings you see in Chicago were, the high-rise was born in Chicago and the technologies that created high-rises were really tested in Chicago. The Chinese 
are really interested in that next generation of pushing technologies and creating buildings that are more friendly to our environment. The upper floors of Jin Mao are home to the Grand Hyatt, making it the tallest hotel in the world. We were very fortunate that Hyatt is a strong brand in China and uh, well known because of this, uh, the uh, Yin Mao building, which is in Shanghai. And because of the success of that hotel, a lot of developers came to us and they wanted to do hotels everywhere. Hyatt already has seven hotels in China, 25 more in various stages of development. The potential for us, as you can imagine, is huge if you compare it to the United States. We may have reservations about being the partner with the Chinese economy, uh, but everybody wants to be their partner because either you're doing business or you're doing business against them. to get your brain behind 1.3 billion people until you walk the streets of China. And once you do, you start to ask the question, how do you communicate with more than one-fifth of the world's population? We're one of the few cities in America that we have almost 10% of American children in elementary school and high school that are learning Chinese. We have the largest. We are the largest, and we hope to expand that. The belief that Chicago children will grow up to live in a China-dominated world economy is fueling the rush to find and hire more qualified Chinese language teachers. Currently, Chicago has 20 elementary and high schools offering Mandarin Chinese programs, including this one at Alcott Elementary School on the city's north side. After one semester of Chinese, these kindergartners at Alcott School are learning about Chinese culture, counting from one to ten, and holding simple conversations. Fifth graders are more advanced. Just last week at Walter Payton High School, Mayor Daly cut the ribbon for Chicago's first Chinese cultural center. In an attempt to try to help the world better understand its culture, China is partially sponsoring 26 Confucius Institutes across the globe. In China, all school children are required to learn English starting with first grade through high school and into college. But like the students in Chicago who are learning Chinese, a critical need is to find a way to practice and speak their new language. But I love English and, and I want to improve. On the streets of any Chinese city, speak English and you're often asked to help someone practice theirs. Good English, it can link the uh, Chinese and the foreigners. An estimated 110 million Chinese at any given time are learning to talk to us. Now, can Chicago children become multilingual? I firmly believe we should get our, our young people much more prepared about the Asian culture, and more so with the Chinese culture. Understanding that really competition will come from there and not from any other child in the United States. And that's one of the important things besides learning the language is understanding the people. People understand their customs, traditions, and most importantly, their commitment of uh, education. So when you think of 50 or 60 hours a week for elementary high school kids, and we only do 25 or 30 hours. So who has the advantage then? Of course they do. We should learn English because it is more popular from the, from the people in all of the world. In Serbian, it's kakosi. In Chinese, it's ni hao. In English, it's hello. Chicago's road to China continues. China's economic boom 
What does China's growth mean to Chicago and the U.S.? That story is next. And later, Lindy Yu returns to the city where she was born, the emotional homecoming. In celebration of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, Comcast is the proud sponsor of Chicago's Road to China. Chicago's Road to China. Now again, here's ABC7's Linda Yu reporting from Shanghai. This is the second drive-thru in China. In fact, the first one in Shanghai, and I'm going to order something. Ni hao. And that's another difference, too. When you order, you actually get to see a person. Tim Fenton is president of McDonald's in Asia. The Oak Brook-based fast food giant sees so much potential in China that Fenton and his family have just moved there. Well, right now, it's, it's our growth story. McDonald's already has 750 outlets in 20 provinces. Another 250 should open in time for the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Other customs and Chinese preferences have affected McDonald's operations from how the food is wrapped and served to adjusting a few menu items, though a Big Mac still tastes exactly like our Big Mac here. We're educating them. We are opening, their, we're expanding their horizons to different foods that they may not have experienced. The Big Mac, the sauce, you know, the, the, the special sauce you mentioned it before is, is not a, a taste that they would have experienced before. Cell phones around every corner you turn in China and it's Chicago-based Motorola leading the charge. Motorola has spent the last five years restructuring and cutting jobs, but believes success in China is essential to the company's health. It is very important and that's why we've been uh, in there for a long time and that's why we, I said China is a strategic market. If you look at the wireless mobile uh, uh, subscriber base, it's actually has surpassed 400 million subscribers. It's actually bigger than the entire population of the United States. They increase uh, every month by by 5 million more mobile subscribers. Ted Fishman, Chicago commodities trader and author of the New York Times bestseller China Inc., puts it this way. China is the biggest economic train coming our way. The 196,000 people who lost manufacturing jobs in Illinois since 2000 got that message. The combination of automation and cheap labor have sent many companies racing to China to cut costs. Here's another reason business, big and small, has turned to China. Donna Magus beat breast cancer a few years ago. She wanted to help other women on the same journey and tried to manufacture a line of breast cancer ribbon-themed jewelry. And I will support the United States and I'll go out there and, you know, create jobs for people here in the U.S. And I emailed people, I sent sketches, I talked to people on the phone, and obviously I wasn't going to start out with, you know, 50,000 you know, 50, pieces or, you know, thousands and thousands of pieces. And they just weren't interested. Donna's line of jewelry, Silver Linings by Us, and now a journal for breast cancer patients are both produced at Chinese plants in Guangdong province in southern China. Chicago-based Boeing made headlines in April when China's president, Hu Jintao, visited and formally announced the purchase of 80 Boeing 737s. The $5.2 billion price tag helps make a small dent in China's enormous trade surplus with the U.S. In the foreseeable, relatively short term, but future, this help to build the infrastructure will sustain outside economies uh, to deal in partnership with China. 
during our bankruptcy, somewhat surprisingly to many people, we've actually doubled that service to China. That now includes daily non-stops from Chicago to Hong Kong, Beijing and Shanghai, with competition recently added from American Airlines. Mayor Daly points out Chicago has long been a transportation center, highway and rail. As for the future... We're positioned much better because we'll have more international flights going from here to China. And I think it will deal with how well you position and expand your airports to take in not just uh, passengers like tourists, but also uh, uh, business leaders coming into Chicago. They can come here and they can go east or west. There are so many Chicago area business people in our sister city of Shanghai that the Chicago China Club meets every month. I think the Chinese people are very welcoming. So I've never been threatened, I've never felt threatened. And I've always felt like this really is kind of home for me. I've enjoyed it very much. Another way Chicago business is connected to China, 32 area Rotary Clubs raised $80,000 to send a medical team to sister city Shenyang last month. Our mission is to provide free reconstructive surgery to children with cleft lip and palate anomalies. Besides the humanitarian connection, Rotarians make a human connection as Rotary International plans to soon charter its first two China-based Rotary Clubs. <laughs> Chicago's Road to China continues. Coming to America, a Chinese auto parts manufacturer bringing jobs to suburban Chicago. And Linda Yu returns to her birthplace to find dramatic changes. Chicago's Road to China. Now again, here's ABC7's Linda Yu reporting from Shanghai. Ask any American about the most well-known face of China. It's probably still Chairman Mao, nearly 30 years after his death. But China is a very different country today. Communism is still the form of government, but in the marketplace... Capitalism today is in China. Yeah, that's the real, real reality right now. Pin Ni is president of Wanxiang America, a company most Americans haven't heard much about so far. In the next few years, we may hear a lot about Wanxiang. The parent company dominates the town of Xiaoshan, about three hours from Shanghai. Wanxiang Group's chairman is working on projects that are changing his country and in the process may change the United States. Wanxiang, one of the leading private Chinese manufacturers, has set up a shop near Chicago. So they are actually helping contributing to the local economy here. 40,000 workers worldwide are on track to make this the world's largest manufacturer of auto parts. Chairman Lu Guanqiu, its 64-year-old founder, was a bicycle repairman just 37 years ago. Today, Wanxiang, turning over more than $4 billion a year, sells insurance, runs banks, invests capital in U.S. oil wells and buildings, buys tea and soft drink companies, develops real estate, researches a new electric car, even as plants still churn out universal joints and other car and machine parts. Ten years ago, the energetic Chairman Liu set his sights on the U.S. and specifically Chicago. Uh, to become the best, to put together the advantages of both countries. And if, if you're able to, to bring out the best in, in one, in, for a country or for a company, then you become the best. 
Drivers in Elgin may be curious about the giant warehouse right off I-90. Pin Ni is Chairman Liu's son-in-law. Wanshan is uh, in China, is the largest uh, auto parts maker in China. You go to AutoZone, you go to Napa, you go to CarQuest, you will find our parts there. And also we sell to the original equipment which is the vehicle group, such as Ford, GM, Chrysler as well. In 2004, the Wall Street Journal reported that Wanxiang would soon compete on par with American auto parts giant Delphi. Two years later, with Delphi facing bankruptcy, Wanxiang is waiting in the wings, a fact confirmed by its chairman in China. Is he going to buy Delphi? Delphi company, we really hope to, to, uh, to buy this company, but whether we can or not, it's all in the hands of Delphi at this point. For now, Wanxiang America keeps a low profile, though there are investments in some downtown Chicago buildings and sponsorship of the putting green at Millennium Park. At the warehouse in Elgin, shipping crates are stamped made in China. But Wanxiang is changing the industry. It has already bought up several bankrupt auto parts companies in various states, including Michigan and Ohio. Under new work rules, about half of those firms' employees still have jobs. In Elgin, Wanxiang has created jobs. I will say that everybody here just is so happy to work and put all the hours and uh, we, we, we get real rewarded for what we do here. So now, this Chinese company makes parts for American automobiles and farm equipment stamped made in the USA. After a final break, Linda's surprising reunion. This is Xi'an, where I was born. We've come back to see how my home city has changed. 900 miles from the coast, you could say it's the Midwest of China. Most Americans know the city as the location of the famous Terracotta Warriors. Xi'an was once the capital city for 13 dynasties. Even though Xi'an is surrounded by China's oldest city wall, still intact after 600 years, nowhere is China's change so obvious and so personal. This is the home where I was born. I brought my mother back in 1982. She recognized the tired brick one-story buildings, one that we used for storage. A whole family lived in the little house that had been a bedroom, the bedroom where I spent most of the first year of my life. A woman who still lived in the complex remembered. Her mother and my grandmother had been friends. I took pictures with our rediscovered friends and later mailed them back to Xi'an. More than 20 years later, the drive back to Xiajia Shizhi. The narrow, dusty road is now paved. Plenty of cars are parked along sidewalks that didn't exist before. Most shocking, no more gate leading into a courtyard. A high-rise stands before me, where the gate once stood, the entrance to the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China. But people have memories, even if new buildings try to erase them. People here remembered a TV reporter who once came back. They were touched that someone with a successful life in America would care enough to return. 
and they wanted to be there when I came back again. Mr. Liu was also in the pictures I took many years ago. He and his family lived in a tiny room, no more than 20 square feet. He feels the new China is better for him. He feels wealthy with a nearly 1,800 square foot home. A friend who lives elsewhere in Xi'an helped in my search. She discovered that five blocks away lived the woman, Mrs. Li, who once remembered when I was born in Xi'an and remembered my visit more than 20 years ago. She's in her 80s now, very frail. I didn't expect her emotion, but she said it meant so much that I would return. She still remembered my Chinese name, Xiaoling, and my mother. In fact, she had saved the pictures I once sent. Her copy of one picture is weathered. It had been displayed for years. My copy was intact. I had kept it in a file. Other pictures have faded over the years. Mr. Lee has Alzheimer's now and last year a stroke, but he was brought out of the hospital to come honor me. It was my honor to see him. A grown daughter remembered that she was 18 years old when I came before. Now she has children of her own. Mrs. Lee's grandchildren and great-grandson came too. Mrs. Lee began to reminisce and tell me stories of my family. Your grandmother used to buy those big peaches. She called my mother to come over so we could share. When my mother cooked something good to eat, she called your grandmother to come over. The visit was tiring for Mrs. Lee and too short. Though she and Mr. Lee had trouble walking, they insisted, Wosungni. It was only proper and polite that they see me out. I was afraid the emotion might be too much for them. The thought came to my mind even as it came to theirs. This would be the last time we would meet. They are both frail, and I would not come back before both their lives are over. Many years ago, I promised to come back to see them again. This time, I am grateful that I kept that promise.